Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Alina Parast. Alina is the Chief Information Officer of Champion X, a global leader in chemistry programs and services, artificial lift solutions, automation and optimization equipment, and drilling technologies for the upstream and midstream oil and gas company. The company earns nearly $4 billion in annual revenue. Alina has been with the company for a bit more than four years and has been the CIO for a bit more than three. From her perch, she's led influential programs in research and development in partnership with others in the firm, while also introducing artificial intelligence and generative AI programs as well. Alina has also taken an innovative approach to cybersecurity that I look forward to hearing more about during this conversation, among other topics we might cover together. Alina Paras, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter, and great to uh, be part of your conversation. It's a pleasure, Alina. I've been looking forward to this conversation as well. Well, let's begin with Champion X. For those who may be a little less familiar with the company, can you provide a brief overview to it, please? Yeah, absolutely. So Champion X is a global company, and we operate in the energy sector, and we have several uh, work streams or focuses within Champion X. So we provide chemistry solutions, we provide artificial lift solutions, and we also provide a number of highly engineered solutions and equipment um, in the energy sector to help companies to provide oil and gas to um, countries' populations in a safe, efficient, and sustainable manner. And uh, recently, we also expanded in the uh, emission monitoring, and we also offer digital solutions uh, to our customers as part of our products as well as our services. And we operate in um, over 50 countries around the world. We have about uh, 8,000 employees, um, and we are uh, a global public company. Excellent. And uh, for a bit more than three years now, you've been the Chief Information Officer. Talk a bit about that role. What's within your purview, please, Alina? So thank you, Peter. So I um, I love my role, first of all, and I uh, enjoy every minute of being uh, IT leader for Champion X. Uh, it's a diverse role. My primary focus is to make uh, company successful and to serve our customers and you know, participate in our communities and uh, improve lives of our employees and our uh, stakeholders. So what I'm responsible for today is for global infrastructure uh, and operations, which is more or less traditional role. I'm also responsible for global security, for uh, cybersecurity for Champion X, uh, responsible for enterprise platforms and applications, and as well as uh, data and analytics and primarily data provisioning and getting into some newer areas such as AI um, and um, partner with all um, our business areas such as supply chain finance, uh, regulatory, as well as our uh, business uh, units that focus on our customers and deliver products and services. And I know from our past conversations, Alina, among those partnerships is one with uh, research and development in, in aiding the acceleration of the development of new initiatives. Can you yeah. talk a bit about that partnership in particular, if you would? Yeah. So while we've always supported our R&D employees in a traditional sense, you know, by providing tools and uh, platforms and everything, but this is kind of, it's, it's, it's expanding and it's really, really ex uh, exciting to me because it's a new area to really uh, get deeper involved and make a difference. And some new areas where we haven't participated in the past. 
Um, so we began partnering with uh, our R&D team um, on the cusp of uh, AI exploding. Uh, so it kind of offered a new avenue for us to partner with research and development. And we're looking at specific areas to revolutionize, I guess you would say, R&D, uh, but maybe being um, more pragmatic is to really introduce continuous improvement and acceleration and automation to a field of R&D. So R&D is science, and sci in science you do research, you do uh, development, you do experimentation. There's a whole process involved. So where we're getting involved is looking at uh, the process of R&D and where we can identify use cases where AI can be applied to accelerate that and automate that and uh, to get away from maybe a long a duration of experimentation and simulation and discovery. And it's absolutely exciting to step into the world, which I worked in R&D in the past uh, as part of my career, but not actually from the IT enablement perspective. And obviously discovery, accelerating discovery of new chemistries and new uh, products using AI models, something completely um, new and, like I said, very uh, motivational to me and my team as well. How exciting. And as you noted, uh, the timing of this uh, deeper partnership coincided with the explosion of artificial intelligence. Uh, and you talked about some of the use cases that you've been developing, maybe some proofs of concept as well. Can you talk a bit a bit more about what conclusions yeah. you're drawing and how you're thinking about using AI and perhaps even generative AI in some interesting ways? So uh, before we even get into AI, what we did in partnering with my, um, my peers in R&D, uh, first thing you learn that understanding and knowledge of artificial intelligence varies across the board. You know, you have scientists, you have engineers, some know more, some know less. So the first step before you even step into any use cases is education. It's so vital and critical. So where we begin with R&D uh, is to um, really educate and bring everybody to a level of truly understanding what AI can offer. So it starts at the rudimentary level, just ABCs of AI, and then diving deeper into saying what, what potential, how could we implement it, what potential use cases you can think about. One difference, I think, from prior technologies and what we're learning through that, that in using generative AI or any AI in R&D or any other field, is the subject matter expert is really at the center. And we are educating uh, members of our R&D team to understand that in order to apply AI, you really need to also understand that you are the expert and what generative, uh, one feature of generative AI is to produce new output. In this case, to produce potentially new chemistries, new molecules. Only you can really evaluate is AI hallucinating or is it really a valuable output? So that's one of the areas um, that we're exploring with them. Can we take the process that typically is very prolonged and use um, healthcare and pharma as an example? They're much further along. And can you use the data to accelerate creation of new chemistries? 
yeah, outside of the lab, for example, through simulation and through application of AI techniques. The other um, area, which is a more traditional AI, is partner with R&D, bring their data into our enterprise data lake and use machine learning to do prediction and forecasting. Also applied from R&D to supply chain in terms of what chemistries can be applied to certain customer problems and how do they do these chemistries map into our products. So there are many different applications, but I think it needs to follow learning and educating our scientists and engineers so then they can step back and see opportunities, then bring the data, uh, find a home for data to make sure, because AI without data is really not, you know, it's not meaning, meaningful. So bring the data, secure the data, and then apply AI tools to the data to, to potential business problems or use cases that they bring to the table. And then they have, have the experts validated. But, that's kind of where we are with R&D. And I think it's an it has so many opportunities and also educate them to look outside of their space. Look at uh, pharma, look at healthcare, and it's directly related because the use cases are very similar. Discovery of new drugs, discovery of new chemistry, in automation of the process of the research, literature research, automation. I mean, AI is amazing at uh, literature research and of other scientific journey, accelerating that piece of it. Yeah, several things there that I find so interesting, Alina. Uh, first of all, I love the idea that uh, rather than think of the AI as all knowing, we need to recognize it as fallible. And therefore, as you put it, is, it, is, is the AI hallucinating or is it working appropriately? There's a necessity for you and your team to evaluate the strengths and weaknesses, the the uh, validity of the conclusions that are being drawn, as opposed to simply accepting what the algorithms are telling you. I think that's pretty profound. Yeah. I and gave him one example, if I may, yeah. uh, of where I'm as an IT professional, a technology professional is not a chemist, only they can tell. So I gave him an example using generative AI uh, to create a molecule for cherry juice and snowflake. And it spit it out for me. But I can't evaluate the validity of that, only they can. And I think that kind of rudimentary to complex education is very important. Very, very interesting. I also really like the uh, the points you make about drawing analogies from industries that are different but similar to yours. Uh, and you talked about pharmaceuticals and the fact that there are some similarities as to the R&D processes for that industry in your own. And so rather than simply uh, contemplating your your uh, a typical competitive set, thinking about that a bit more expansively might uh, perhaps even develop some unique uh, unique insights to your industry as a result of thinking a little bit differently. Also a very interesting point you raised, Alina. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I want to I double click also on the cybersecurity implications. Mm -hmm. You noted that at the conclusion of your answer. And those are profound as well, aren't they? Especially as you think about some of the new uses of artificial intelligence and ensuring that the data that is most uh, valuable and sacred to your organization remains uh, in safe hands and and uh, um, is safeguarded appropriately. Talk a bit about some of the ways in which you're strengthening um, mm -hmm. cybersecurity uh, as a consequence of some of these new opportunities that are presenting themselves. So first thing also may sound very rudimentary, but something that we, it's the very first step that we did 
is educate people, particularly around our IP. You can't just start populating large language models that live in public space. You may think that it's so basic, but it's part of that overall education. The minute you put your formulas, your um, uh, your IP into public large language models, it belongs to everyone. So that was the first step: is to work with um, uh, businesses with R and D and really uh, get that point across. You know, um, the next step would be so. But when then, how would you leverage AI? and be safe and secure at the same time. So my earlier point is AI is based on data. So we need to find a safe um, and secure home for our data before we apply AI. And so when we looked around, we are very, um, we are a Microsoft, uh, we leverage Microsoft technologies quite a bit. There are many others, we just happen to use Microsoft. And first thing we did is um, when the whole explosion of AI, we looked, well, we already do quite a bit. We have cloud, we have enterprise data lake, we have we use um, IoT technologies within the Microsoft space. And then speaking with our partners for Microsoft, we also said, so, well, OpenAI has been incorporated and integrated into Microsoft um, Azure cloud for some time, and they're continuing to invest that. So we said, well, our first step is we can use data that's in within our four walls, within our our your own Azure cloud and then apply AI technologies to that data. So as I mentioned earlier, first is what is the home for your data? The home is our enterprise data lake. So we can bring more, whether it's research and development data or supply chain data or financial data, we can bring it into our data lake or we have a lot of it already and then leverage AI capabilities that are natural, um, to large language models and apply it. So our first use case actually was, can we apply natural language against our data, uh, business data that lives in the uh, uh, enterprise data lake? So we're all familiar with um, creating reports, in analytics and all, but what we wanted to do is simply ask questions against the data that lives in our data lake. And we partnered and had a number of sessions doing, um, proof of concept, then we demonstrated that you can apply natural language and ask your business questions against your data that lives in your data lake. And it was a kind of a turning point, I think, for some of our engineers or business analysts that are used to more of a structured programming. And here, they didn't have to do much of that. I mean, once they had data and we did some modeling and applied what's our, how AI is already has the built-in capabilities, we could ask what what will be my margin if I do this? What will be instead of writing typical reports and analytics? So it was eye-opening, but people had to adjust their thinking on how to go about that. And then of course it comes the security of securing the data. Just because it lives in a data lake, yeah, maybe it's secure inside, but now you you want to preserve some of the integrity of your pricing, of your costing, and everything. Not even everybody inside should be able to access it. So we have to incorporate that into uh, when we apply AI. Yeah. Very interesting, Alina. And one of the things I found fascinating in a recent conversation you and I had about this very topic is some of the innovative ways you've thought about training employees 
uh, with regard to cybersecurity. Having great policies in place are is all well and good if they're not applied, if people don't understand mm -hmm. them, uh, you know, if they're not trained to 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 uh, apply them. Obviously, then it's uh, uh, the results will be underwhelming to say the least. Talk a bit about mm -hmm. some of the creative ways you've thought about making these ideas stick uh, through the training programs mm -hmm. you've developed. So cybersecurity on the surface seems like an unlikely area for having fun, you know, uh, but uh, we all uh, experience inter corporate training and other training, online training, and after a while, you know, it becomes dry, if not, not exciting. And we looked at our, you know, just like any company, we train employees annually on cybersecurity. Uh, we do uh, simulations and stuff, but you know, results, you know, while improving, are not, I would say, fully engaging. You know, so we looked at other avenues uh, on how we can improve, and we don't subscribe to a philosophy of carrot or stick on the cybersecurity. I mean, we want people to to really internalize that cybersecurity is something that that doesn't just belong to a small team in the corner that does cybersecurity and applies, but it's everybody's responsibility, but it also then needs to be a little more fun than your typical training. So we looked, we evaluated various options and we uh, came across a partner of ours that produced um, mini series. And I love mysteries and I love, um, uh, um, you know, especially English mysteries. And, this was basically done in a very high quality uh, style. It resembles your typical British, you know, mysteries and murder mysteries and, you know, and stuff, but it's done all around uh, cybersecurity and, and it focused on getting employees engaged and watching. So we introduced season one that had a bunch of episodes and we had great feedback. We're on season five. And you can rewatch and rerun, but it's a better way of learning, I suppose. And uh, and we brought uh, some speakers from the same partner who approach cybersecurity, I think, in a little different fashion. And they would use an example and say, you know, just because you want to be healthy, you don't necessarily exercise. You still eat sugar. So you we want to get same idea of getting you to the point where it's your internal goal to be safe, healthy, and secure. So that I think that's the philosophy. Of, uh, and of course, engaging our uh, executive team, engaging our managers, it's a, yeah, it, they do an amazing job also of improving employee focus on, on cybersecurity. And we're doing something later um, this year is to have, you know, doing a simulation for our CEO and cybersecurity and our executive team engaged in cybersecurity gaming approach yeah very interesting and, and i you know as one contemplates you know cyber issues that companies have had sometimes it's through uh, partners that those mm -hmm. uh um uh originates and i know you've you've thought about the the necessity to ensure that your the, the partners you engage with have appropriate practices as well talk a bit about some of the ways in which you you've uh, the methods you've used in order to do that if you would alina so early on, as we became a public company and we focused on cybersecurity, um, we were, you know, building technology ground up to enable a new company, even though we're new, not new by age, but we became a new public company. Uh, we had to bring many new partners and vendors into the picture. And it's always important, particularly on the technology side, to ensure that they're 
capable, they have good practices, and um, they're cybersecurity safe. So you have traditional methods. You ask for their audit reports and all that good stuff. But early on, um, we started exploring new ways. We're a year and a half into that. Just like you can think of um, a person having a credit score, you know, a person can have a cybersecurity score. And I think it's becoming more mainstream, but, you know, I'm go going back a year and a half. And we said, can we? We spent a lot of time just manually asking for their architectures, their policies, their processes. And I think we uh, found some good partners who significantly simplified and standardized and, uh, and moved us closer to that cybersecurity score. So today, in addition to traditional methods, we use partners that run extensive assessment from the outside uh, and produce cybersecurity scorecard for our vendor, potential vendors. And then we supplement it with other things, but it definitely um, improves, standardizes, and accelerates the process of assessing cybersecurity posture of our partners. We then turned around and said, well, if they can do that for our partners, we can do it to ourselves. So we started running a cybersecurity scorecard against ourselves, uh, which definitely uncovered some areas we needed to improve. And then our latest step is really focusing on our investors. So we partnered uh, with yet another company where that focuses on investors, and we work with them on improving our investor-focused cybersecurity score. So just different way of doing, you know, of approaching cybersecurity, I guess. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, again, I appreciate you sharing that. I wonder, we've talked about a number of uh, important trends, Alina. Are there others that come to mind that particularly excite you as you look to the future? I think as we look into the future, you know, in particular for IT professionals, technology professionals, I think what's exciting for me, you know, um, and I think, you know, an opportunity for others, you step out of the traditional you still have to do traditional stuff. Don't get me wrong. You have to do your ERP. You have to do your networks. You have to do, but it's exciting to, as the technologies change around you, you step into learning about the business you're in or industry you're in. And I always say you triangulate with somebody like we used the example of pharma and you learn about your business and you look at the technologies in, you know, in networking and cloud in artificial intelligence and the new, I mean, traditional even things like ERPs are moving way to the next generation. And you're looking at opportunities to, um, how do they triangulate, how they map to the way you run your business. So even ERPs that are now moving into SaaS, the last ones I think of its kind, I mean, they offer opportunities to leverage them for your decision-making, for business decision-making, for supply chain visibility in a way that you couldn't do it before. And I think it's that with all the platforms that the businesses are using, kind of moving in the space to be on the equal level in a software as a service with data available in, on multiple aspects in the data lake, you can do more faster with less. Yeah. Very, yeah, very interesting examples that you provide. I also wanted to ask you, Alina, as somebody who's been a senior technology executive at companies 
like Alcatel Lucent and Nalco acquired by Ecolab, where also you were a, an executive and now Champion X. Um, what have been some of the secrets to your own success, uh, the difference makers along the way that have helped you on your rise to your current post? Well, obviously, in every situation, obviously, uh, the teams and your business partners are amazing. So you have to continuously learn from them and learn from your partners and your vendors. I mean, there are opportunities to get these nuggets, these um, amazing ideas from the ecosystem of people you work with yeah, and never stop learning. But the other principle that I always apply and I share with my team, less is always more. We don't need 55 tools or 100 platforms or, you know, simplicity. And I kind of always look at Apple, you know, how that simplicity was always the strategy. I mean, the simplicity within being an effective partner to the business in IT is to, if you can't explain it, you can't support it, you can't roll it out. So keep it as simple but sophisticated as you can. And I think that we strive for that in everything, in our networking and our cyber and applications. Less is more, always, for me, anyways. <laughs> I really love that insight, Alina. Simple but sophisticated and, and uh, as a better way to manage things. Well, Alina Paras, thank you so much for a uh, fantastic conversation spanning a number of interesting topics representative of what you and your team are driving forward at Champion X. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter, for having me. I appreciate it.